There's a solitary, humble, wooden structure on a windswept hill in rural New England. To open the door is to engage our minds, our hearts, and our imaginations. In this place, preachers and professors, past and present, come alive as they walk the aisle, ascend the pulpit stairs, and teach. From theology, from history, and from the Word of God, welcome to the Saybrook Meeting House, an audio production of Saybrook Ministries. Grace Reigns in Adoption by Abraham Booth The spiritual and divine adoption about which we treat is God's gracious admission of strangers and aliens into the state, relation, and enjoyment of all the privileges of children through Jesus Christ, according to that glorious promise of the new covenant. I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians 6.18 Reconciliation, justification, and adoption may be thus distinguished. In reconciliation, God is considered as the injured party, and the sinner as an enemy to him. In justification, our Maker sustains the character of Supreme Judge, and man is considered as a criminal standing before his tribunal. In adoption, Jehovah appears as the fountain of honor, and the apostate sons of Adams as aliens from him, as belonging to the family of Satan, and as denominated children of wrath. In reconciliation, we are made friends. In justification, we are pronounced righteous. And in adoption, we are constituted heirs of the eternal inheritance. That believers are the children of God, the scriptures expressly declare. They may be so called as they are begotten and born from above, as they stand in a conjugal relation to Christ and as they are adopted into the heavenly family. These different ways in which the scripture speaks of their filial relation to God are intended to aid our feeble conceptions when we think upon the grand, ineffable blessing, one mode of expression supplying, in some degree, the ideas that are lacking in another. To express the origin of spiritual life, and the restoration of the divine image, we are said to be born of God. To set forth in the liveliest manner our most intimate union with the Son of the Highest, we are said to be married to Christ. And, that we might not forget our natural state of alienation from God and to intimate our title to the heavenly patrimony, we are said to be adopted by Him. The condition, therefore, of all believers is most noble and excellent. Their heavenly birth, their divine husband, 
and their everlasting inheritance loudly proclaim it. The beloved apostle, amazed at the love of God manifested in the privilege of adoption, could not forbear exclaiming with astonishment and rapture, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. 1 John 3, 1. Here, grace reigns. The vessels of mercy were predestinated to the enjoyment of this honor and happiness before the world began. The great Lord of all chose them for himself, chose them for his children, that they might be heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 17. This he did, not because of any worthiness in them, but of his own sovereign will. As it is written, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6. According to the good pleasure of his will, this is the eternal source of the heavenly blessing. By Jesus Christ, this is the way of its communication to sinners. To the praise of his glorious grace, this is the purpose of bestowing it. The persons adopted are sinners of Adam's race who, considered in their natural state, are estranged from God and guilty before him under sentence of death and obnoxious to ruin. Their translation, therefore, out of this deplorable condition into a state and relation so glorious is an instance of reigning grace. That the children of wrath should become the inheritors of glory and the slaves of Satan be acknowledged as the sons of Jehovah, that the enemies of God should be adopted into his family and have an indefeasible right to all the privileges of his children are astonishing to the last degree. Our character and state by nature are the most indigent, wretched, and abominable, and render us fit for nothing after this life but to dwell with damned spirits and accursed fiends in the abodes of darkness and of despair. But, by the privilege of adoption, we are invested with such a character and are brought into such a state as render us fit to associate with saints in light, with angels in glory. What but omnipotent reigning grace could be sufficient to effect so noble so astonishing, so divine a change. If we take a cursory view of those invaluable privileges which in virtue of adoption the saints possess and of which they are heirs, our ideas of the superlative blessing will be still heightened. They have the most honorable character, for they are called not merely the servants or the friends, but the sons of God. This dignified character is unalterable, for the Lord himself declares that it is an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. 
Isaiah 56.5 If David so highly esteemed the character of son-in-law to an earthly king, 1 Samuel 18.23, how much more should believers esteem that sublime title, the sons of God, of him who is king of kings and lord of lords? They are also called kings and priests, Besides which august and venerable titles, they are distinguished from the world by a rich variety of others that are obvious to every intelligent reader of the sacred writings. The dignity of their relation is immensely great, for, being the children of God, Jehovah himself is their father, and Christ acknowledges them for his brother. Nor do they stand in relation to Jesus merely as brethren. They are also his bride. Nothing can be received more honorable or more beneficial than their conjugal relation to him. For he is the chiefest among ten thousand and altogether lovely. Song of Solomon 5, 10, 16. When David, though not yet in possession of the crown, sent his men to Abigail to take her to wife, that discreet widow bowed herself to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. 1 Samuel 25.41 Now, may not the believer, for infinitely greater reasons, with gratitude and astonishment, adore that beneficent hand that broke off his yoke of basest vassalage, and joined him to David's antitype, the heavenly bridegroom, joined him in a marriage covenant that shall never be broken in a union that shall never be dissolved? Being the children of God, believers are the objects of his paternal affection and unremitting care. As a father, he guides them by his counsel and guards them by his power. Their disobedience he visits with a rod of correction, and in their distresses he feels for them with paternal compassion. In the whole of his dealings with them, he manifests his love and causes all things to work together for their good. Romans 8.28 Yes, they are the darlings of providence and the charge of angels. Those ministering spirits who are active as flame and swift as thought and camp around them, and, in ways unknown to mortals, help forward the designs of grace in promoting their best interests. Nothing can exceed the riches and excellency of that inheritance to that they have a right in virtue of their adoption, that eternal inheritance which is bequeathed to them by an inviolable testament. This testament, recorded in the sacred writings, was confirmed by the death of Christ. Their inheritance includes all the blessings of grace here and the full fruition of glory hereafter. Though as to temporal things, they be frequently indigent and much afflicted, Yet the blessings of common providence are dispensed to them in such measures 
as paternal wisdom sees best for their spiritual welfare and the glory of God. For godliness hath the promise of the life that now is, as well as of that which is to come. 1 Timothy 4.8 And their heavenly Father knoweth that they have need of his providential favors while they continue in the present state. Matthew 6.32 So that whether they be things temporal, spiritual, or eternal, whether they be things present or things to come, all are theirs. According to that admirable text, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 22. But, which is yet more emphatic and the highest that words can express, the utmost our ideas can reach, the divine spirit declares that they are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8.17 Each, therefore, has a right to say, Jehovah himself is my reward, my portion, and my inheritance. Yea, such is the mutual property that God and his people have in each other that the inheritance is reciprocal between them. For the portion of Jacob is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Jeremiah 10.16 All the awful, the amiable, the adorable attributes of deity will appear glorious in the children of God, and they will enjoy them to their everlasting honor and unutterable bliss. What can the heart of man desire more? Or what good thing will God withhold from them for whom he gave his son? Romans 8.32 To whom he gives himself. In testimony to their sublime relation and as an earnest of their future inheritance, they receive the spirit of adoption by whom they cry with appropriation and confidence, Abba, Father, Romans 8.15. The spirit of adoption, as opposed to the spirit of bondage, is the spirit of light and of liberty, of consolation and of joy. He glorifies Christ in the believer's view and sheds divine love abroad in his heart. He brings the promises to his remembrance, and enables him to plead them at the throne of grace. He elevates the affections to heavenly things and seals him as an heir of the kingdom to the day of redemption. Such are the privileges of God's adopted sons in the vouchsafement of which grace reigns. What a mercy might we esteem it not to be confounded before the God of heaven. What a favor to obtain the least indulgent regard from the King Eternal. What an honor to be admitted into his family, to occupy the place and to bear the character of his meanest servant. But to be his adopted children, who is the fountain of all bliss, and his espoused bride, who is the sovereign of all worlds, to have him for our everlasting father, 
who is the creator of all things, and him for our husband, who is the object of angelic worship, are blessings divinely rich indeed. That sinful mortals, who may justly say to corruption, Thou art our father, and to the worm, Thou art our sister, Job 17.14, should be permitted to say to the infinite God, Thou art our portion, all that thou hast and all that thou art are ours to render us completely happy and eternal blessed is an astonishing, delightful, transporting thought. These are blessings. None greater than these can be conceived. None more glorious can be enjoyed. Let the noblemen of the earth and the sons of the mighty boast of their high birth and large revenues, their pompous titles and splendid retinues, their delicate fare and costly array. Still the poorest peasant that believes in Christ is incomparably superior to them all. What though they shine in silk and embroidery or glitter in gold and jewels, though their names be adorned with the highest epithets that men can bestow, while a profusion of worldly riches is poured into their lap, yet they must soon lie down in the dust. Job twenty-one twenty-six, On a level with the meanest of mortals. The worms shall quickly cover them. Job twenty-one twenty-six, And their memory shall rot. But your name, O weakest of Christians, your new name is everlasting. However neglected or despised among men, it shall stand forever fair in the book of life. Though you are not distinguished as a person of eminence while you proceed in your pilgrimage and receive not the acclamations of the people but walk in the sorrows and troubles of life, Yet you are high in the estimation of heaven. You are not destitute of the sublimest honors. Your praise is not of men, but of God. He knows the way that you take and commands the angels to consider you as the object of their regard. Though you cannot boast of illustrious ancestors or of noble blood, yet being born from above, the blood royal of heaven runs in your veins. Though not a favorite of your temporal sovereign, yet, like a prince, you have power with the God of Israel. Though ever so poor as to this world, the unsearchable riches of Christ are all your own. Though you have not a numerous train of attendants, and though your mansion be a cobwebbed cottage, Yet the holy angels are your guard and minister to your good. The God of glory not only condescends to come under your lowly roof, but even to dwell with you. Yours is the honorable character. Yours is the happy state. This is felicity, which all the wealth of the Indies cannot procure. This is honor, which all the crowned heads in the world cannot confer. The Lord of hosts 
hath purposed to stain the pride of all other glory, but this honor shall never be laid in the dust. What a shade it casts on every secular distinction when forced to feel how very fleeting it is. How encouraging to reflect on the durable and exalted happiness of the sons of God. Christianity, it is thine to ennoble the human mind and to make it really great. Grace, it is thine to raise the poor from the dunghill and the needy out of the dust. Thine it is to number them among the princes of heaven and to seat them on thrones of glory. Thank you for joining us this week at the Saybrook Meeting House. We hope you've been blessed by today's podcast. Saybrook Ministries' mission is to provide didactic and devotional content from the Christian faith delivered to the saints, recovered and refined by the Protestant Reformation. Be sure to visit saybrookministries.org as well as our Facebook and Twitter pages for continually updated Christian content designed to inspire and invigorate our imagination and intellect. Join us next week for another journey to the Saybrook Meeting House. Until then, may God bless you.